welcome to Standing in the Gap. I'm your host preacher, Brandon Harrell. Standing in the Gap is a weekly audio Bible study dedicated to the verse-by-verse exposition of the KJV Scriptures. It is my prayer that through these studies, the lost will be saved, the believer edified, and most of all, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be magnified and honored through the proclamation of His Word. For correspondence information, please stay tuned until the end of the broadcast. May the Lord bless you as you listen to this week's Standing in the Gap. All right, this is Preacher Brandon. Turn with me again to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, and we'll read together verses 1 through 6. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Looking now at the ministry of John the Baptist, we saw, first of all, his arrival. The Bible said, in those days came John. Now we're considering his announcement. Verse 1 tells us what John was doing when he came to the wilderness. He was preaching. We noted the word used here. It is caruso. It means literally to herald, to publish, or to proclaim. This, I said, describes the character of John's announcement. Next, we saw the content of John's preaching. He preached repentance. He preached the kind of repentance that would be manifest in one's actions. For in verse 8, he says, "...bring forth fruit, meat for repentance." Now we're going to move a little farther in the verse, and we're looking at the cause for John's announcement. We see the uh, character of his announcement and the content of his announcement, but now we see the cause for John's um, announcement. Why did John tell men to repent? The text answers this for us clearly. He said, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's examine that phrase for a little while. Now, the nearness of the kingdom of heaven, whatever that means, is what motivated John to preach that men ought to repent. This kingdom was at hand. The phrase at hand means literally the next thing. John said it is at hand. Notice the word is. I would point out that John was not saying that this kingdom was about to come into existence. For whatever is must already be. The phrase kingdom of heaven is used exclusively by Matthew in his gospel. But it is interchangeable with the phrase kingdom of God, which is used by other gospel writers. For example, in Matthew 5.3, we read, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yet in Luke's gospel, speaking of the same sermon, he writes, Blessed, ye, blessed be ye poor, For yours is the kingdom of God. Matthew, writing primarily to a a Jewish audience, knew the offense they would take at a flagrant use of the name of God. Thus, he used heaven 
as a representation well understood to mean the same thing. I point this out because some have endeavored to make a distinction between these two phrases and have managed to muddy the waters on fundamental doctrines of Scripture like repentance and regeneration. They would have you to believe that men are saved in different ways at different times. It is not so. Salvation has always been by grace through faith. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. In the same way now we on this side of Calvary believe God. It is accounted unto us for righteousness. We believe in what God has done, whereas Abraham believed in what God would do. The gospel was preached unto him according to Galatians. So if someone starts telling you there's a difference in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, just tune them out. They're about to wind up in error and misinterpret the word of God. Fawcett, in his Bible dictionary, says of this kingdom that it is, quote, Messiah's kingdom as a whole, both in its present spiritual invisible phase, the gospel dispensation of grace, and also in its future manifestation on earth in glory when finally heaven and earth shall be joined, end quote. I agree with this assessment, but I don't think it goes far enough. You see, the kingdom of heaven is an Old Testament concept as well as a new. That's why John said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was not something that was about to become existent. It's something that had already been. It refers to the rule of Christ over his creation from the beginning of time until forever. There has never been a time when God did not rule the heaven and throughout the universe. This rule, however, is manifest differently at different times. In those different times here, uh, in those different times, there are emphasis on certain of its aspects. In the past, the emphasis was on the fact that God ruled over all nations, setting up kings and putting down kings. It's seen in many passages in the Old Testament. David especially liked to read or liked to write of this. He said in First Chronicles twenty-nine verse eleven, "Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all." He said in Psalm one hundred three verse nineteen, "The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens." and his kingdom ruleth over all. King Nebuchadnezzar got a dose of this reality and recognized that God was sovereign over his world, that there was a kingdom above all kingdoms. It says in Daniel chapter 4, beginning in verse 34, And at the end of days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time, any reason returned unto me, and for the and at, at the same time, my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his judgment. 
his ways judgment and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Nebuchadnezzar, after a little time in the field grazing as an ox with feathers on his back and claws on his feet, realized that God is the king of all the universe. He's, uh, it is God's kingdom. So God's kingdom encompasses all of the past. Then in the present, the emphasis is upon the rule of God in the hearts of his redeemed people. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, as we read earlier. Notice it does not say, there shall be the kingdom of heaven. When John said it uh, is at hand, he meant it is the next thing. It is here, or rather in a sense. He is here. He is here. It's illustrated in Matthew 12, verses 22 to 28. When the Lord had dispossessed that devil out of that man that was blind and dumb and uh, then uh, cast him out, all the people were amazed in verse 23 and said, Is not this the son of David? When the Pharisees heard it, of course, there in verse 24, they said, This fellow cast out devils by Beelzebub. And in verse 25, Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore shall they shall be your judges. Now listen to what he says. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. In other words, it's here. I'm here. The kingdom of God is here. Mark 1, 14 and 15. Jesus himself preaching, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. The gospel of Christ then is the gospel of the kingdom of God. There is only one gospel. I want to say it again. There is only one gospel. I feel like I need to say it one more time. There is only one gospel. It is by believing that gospel that Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again the third day that we are saved and that we enter into the kingdom of God. And Jesus said in John 3, 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We read in Luke 17, 20 and 21, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, they were referring to John's preaching and his preaching. He answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, Neither shall they say, Lo here, lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. It is among you. It is already present here. The state of those in the kingdom is expressed well by Paul in Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Wow. What a statement about the state of those in the kingdom. It is righteousness. We have the righteousness of God imputed unto us. We have peace with God in Christ. We are reconciled unto him, and we have joy in the Holy Ghost. That love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Then in the future, the emphasis will be upon the literal physical reign of Jesus Christ upon this earth. And then when all is destroyed, a new heaven and a new earth will be the abode of God and his throne forever and ever without end. We will dwell with him there in our glorified bodies. 
Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 57 says this. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit, listen to it, the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall I put on incorruption, and this mortal shall I put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is past, present, and future. And one of these days, we'll see the King of kings and the Lord of lords descend from glory. He'll call us unto himself. We'll come to this earth. We'll rule and reign with him for a literal thousand years. And then we'll see a new heaven and a new earth. We'll abide in the kingdom of heaven with our king forever and ever and ever. What a blessing. Thank God for the kingdom of heaven. I'm glad I'm in his kingdom. I'm glad I know that joy and that righteousness and that peace that comes to those who are in the kingdom of God. Till next time, remember this. He's king of kings and he's lord of lords. This has been Preacher Brandon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Standing in the Gap. It is my desire that today's episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, my email is bcharrell83 at protonmail.com. That's b-c-h-a-r-r-e-l-l 83 at protonmail.com. You can also reach me by phone at 828-777-4923. Tune in next time for Standing in the Gap.